I spent seven years doing this. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Three as a a learner. Yeah. You know, three as an intern and one as a pro. I never <laughs> thought that my life would would be me getting up, flying to another country, and taking local guys to their local nightclubs and teaching them how to uh, <laughs> escalate with the women yeah, in yeah. their environment. I never thought that that was going to be my job. I wanted to sit around in an office, have two married people come in, whine about their problems, and magically fix them. That was my that was my goal. Hey, gun, boy, you got you a blog. What is it about confidants? To let my ego transcend this ambiance. Inside it's no fear, just nonchalance. Take a deep breath, address my audience. <sighs> What's up everybody? Welcome back to the show. This week, my guest, Duke DeLate. That's D-E-L-A-E-T of DukeDeLate.com. Pick up daily. And the attractive man. He is a pickup artist, mentor, a confidence booster, a personal trainer, if you will. He flies around the world and teaches men how to pick up women, how to talk to women, how to have confidence, and how to have successful interactions and build relationships. We talk about confidence. We talk about masculinity, gender roles, social norms. It's very interesting. Very interesting cat. You know, I met the Duke in 1997. And if you were of pop culture age in 1997, you would know that the notorious B.I.G. was all over the radio. He had a double disc album, Life After Death. Bad Boy Records, he passed away, his music exploded, he had a feud with Pac, East Coast, West Coast, hip-hop ruled the day. And everybody, you know, my age, we had little hip-hop names and hip-hop personas, and we, we identified with, with that part of the entertainment sphere at the moment. I'm a freshman, he's a senior in high school, he introduces himself as the notorious Duke of Women's... I'm like, well, who is this guy? Is he for real? That was a pretty weird way to introduce yourself. But anybody that knows me knows that I'm an open-minded cat. I love people that can express themselves and have a fondness for, for words and for people and for communication. And when I, see, when I see a person that has a tongue ring, I don't think, whoa, that's a freak right there. That's a weirdo. I think, wow, they have expanded their, their boundaries. Their personal limitations are different than the average person. What type of experiences do they have to share? What can I learn from them? I love people that are on the fringes of the norm. And it helps me expand my horizons. I'm sure many of you have heard of the book The Game by Neil Strauss. Pickup artists movement kind of spawned from that. Um, Duke said it reached its peak around 2004, and it has spawned an entire industry of 
confidence boosting. It's it's kind of I describe it as um, Tony Robbins mixed with the game, but it has a bad reputation. I like many people assume that it's just manipulating women into like you. I I never read the book. I never looked. I never read the Wikipedia. I just heard it within the zeitgeist, the game, and. I hear it through the lens of feminist reaction to it, but I don't really know what it is. So I'm learning. I'm, I'm coming at this with a blank slate, having no knowledge of the industry. And I'm excited to learn something new and reconnect with an old friend over a subject that's fascinating. I am compelled to speak with people that live outside of my comfort zone and I am propelled to share those experiences and conversations with my loving, supportful, open-minded audience. It's a very special episode. I hope you guys enjoy it. Um, why is it that I can make, make up freestyles off the top of my head in the car, flying down the freeway and, and, and in the shower but then I hit the record button and spit a bar, a bar and a half, and I go empty. Why is that? Well, confidence comes down to one key thing, practice. And most people don't have confidence in areas that they don't practice. That's simplifying it down to the basics, but Duke gets into a few strategies and things that can help you increase your confidence in situations where you communicate with members of the opposite sex or the same sex, whatever you're into. Peace and God bless. Enjoy the episode. And there's some special bonus material at the end. I rarely do this, but I left the mics running after the interview was over. So you get some little, if you like what you hear, let the tape keep running and uh, you'll hear some extra special bonus material. He's got a book coming out soon. DukeDelate.com. Pick up daily. Subscribe to his channel on YouTube. The Attractive Man. Check him out. Enjoy. Peace. Fresh off the plane, Konichiwa. Bitches turn around another plane. My passport on pivot. Ask for it, I did it. That asshole done did it. Talked it, then he lived it. Spit it, then he shit it. I don't need right tears. I might bounce ideas. But only I could come up with some shit like this. Traditional education is weird, man. Yeah, I'm not a big fan. I'm not a fan at all. I really like the access. Like, I love being academic. I love... Uh, doing research well. I love meeting with academic minds and people who, right. um, you know, I met like uh, Sonia Lubomirsky. I met like uh, this water's for you, by the way. Oh, thank you. And I also have I also have snacks and treats. Snacks and treats. Snacks and treats. This guy <laughs> bringing <laughs> snacks and treats. I gotta bring. It's it's a, it's about the vibe. Like mm. I. People tell me that I'm good at what I do. Yeah. When I say what I do, interviewing people. And I think half of it is just putting the person at ease to the point where they're comfortable being honest. Because mm. you look at most interviews and it's it's trash. There are sound bites. It's totally staged. It's fake. Right, right, right. So, like if you were to give me a list of questions I was supposed to answer. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I had the esteemed privilege of interviewing the mayor of for an aerospace academy project. Mm. And I thought I did such a good job. I'm like, man, it was natural. You know, he was so, we were vibing and he was giving me these great off the cuff answers. And then I saw him in a press conference 
saying the exact same shit. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, like this really motherfucker. Yeah. yeah, but yeah. he did a good job. Like he he politicized me well because mm -hmm. I thought that I had a connection with him. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I thought that was I thought that was interesting. But um, so formal introdu introduction. Hi. Uh, I'm here with Duke Delate, and he is a. What do you do? What's your title exactly? Uh, I think the politically politically correct one is dating coach. Dating coach. Okay. Uh, but yeah, you know, I come from the the long line of guys who call themselves pickup artists for a long time. I was gonna say like a combination of like Tony Robbins meets the game. That's how I was gonna describe it. Sure. Yeah. Is that a pretty good analysis? I, that's, of it? A, that's a whole lot more esteem than I feel like I deserve at the moment. But sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so, in a nutshell, I know that people come to workshops and you teach them kind of how to have confidence, how to pick up women, how to conversate, you know, have better skills, communication skills. What would you say like an elevator pitch of what you do? Like, hey, I'm Duke, I'm doing this, you should come to it, this is what you'll learn. Yeah, I mean, I just, I basically teach guys how to get over their social roadblocks, you know, in their heads. Uh, socializing is not difficult, networking isn't difficult, uh, picking up members of the opposite sex, or I guess the same sex now, we gotta be politically correct. Either or, um, gender neutral. Yeah, yeah, uh, but, but you know, creating and forging romantic and sexual connections is one of the oldest things we've ever done. So right. it's, you know, I, I tell all my guys, you know, you come from a long line of people who've been successful at this stuff, and, <laughs> and otherwise you wouldn't be here, and so, it's usually just getting people out of their own way. Yeah. And most of the guys that hire me, especially for privates, they're not like normal guys. Like they're not guys with uh, everything going on. They're, they're severely socially. Uh, Handicapped. Yeah. And that gives them, you know, the, their motivation to take a program is a lot more, or a workshop is a lot more. Severe. Uh, uh, they don't have any reference experience. Right, right. So, like, they have all of these ideas of what dating is like because they don't have anything to reference in their own heads about right. it. So, a lot of the job is just dispelling a lot of those ideas on yeah. what they've been fed through media or whatever, and then uh, getting them to approach relationships in an adult way. Yeah. So, that's crazy. So, it's kind of like uh, a damaged youth might watch porn and that's their only idea of sex or a young woman might watch romantic comedies and that's her only idea of relationships sure and yeah. you're kind of dealing with people that all their knowledge comes from something that's made up something that's not real mm -hmm. they don't have any models to follow and it's not even their mo uh, their knowledge necessarily or not only their knowledge necessarily it's their intentions um, I'll get very often guys will come and they'll be like I want to have like five different girlfriends and just bang every week and da 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 da. And then I'm like, well, let's start with one, you know, <laughs> and then see where you want to go from there because yeah. they don't see what it's like to carry a relationship with another human being. Yeah. Carry their emotions, have people have mood swings and fights and fits and things. They don't see all of that stuff because yeah. their model of, uh, of even sex is very myopic. Yeah. yeah something they see in a, in a, in 
in an R-rated movie or something. And they're like, that's right. how a relationship works. Yeah. Shrugging shoulders and yeah. sweaty, <laughs> slow thrusting. <laughs> sure, and there's there's plenty of that, but there's also a lot of, you know, giggling and play and, right. <laughs> and just ridiculousness that happens because right. you know, sex and relationships are all messy and yeah, very messy. Yeah, and so to get them into the point where they can accept that, accept being vulnerable, which is really the key component of relationships and sex to to do it right, so to speak, Um, to get them to be vulnerable is really the biggest chore. When I hear like the title of what you do, dating coach, whatever, to my first thought is like psychological manipulation, like I'm tricking somebody into liking me. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure you get. I'm sure you get that a lot. Mm-hmm. So, what what is your response to someone who thinks that is what you do? Yeah, it depends who I'm responding to. Right? <laughs> um, like one of my cousins, for instance, she's a diehard feminist. She's yeah. like total social justice warrior, like feminist blogger kind of person, and uh, she takes major issue to what I'm doing because uh, because of rape culture, white privilege, and all this other stuff that mm-hmm. they can attach this stuff onto. Sure, but. Um, not that I am against much of that. I mean, I used to be a women's self-defense instructor. I understand uh, the victim's mentality, and I understand how carefully you should tread mm-hmm. over a lot of that subject matter in people who have been traumatized. It's, it's a pain. But uh, on the other hand, there's sort of a institutional trauma that's happened to masculinity as a whole. Totally. And... Uh, we've sort of, as we've fought for uh, the gays, the transvestites, the people who are in question of whatever, they've created this culture that says we must accept everything or there's something wrong with us. And that robs an entire group of people of their individuality. So people who identify with the more traditional roles of masculinity and femininity, people who identify with the, you know, the machismo stuff that they grew up with, um, the, those people have no space to act or interact or flex their quote-unquote power because they're not being accepted by uh, mainstream liberal media as something that has any value anymore. We're currently in a stage where Talking about those types of issues is sort of taboo because we don't want to offend or step on the rights of the fringe groups that were trying to come up. Well, as they've sort of come up and legitimized themselves, and hell yeah, I'm all LGBTQ for you. That's fine. Add but, the letters. Keep them coming. Yeah. On, but on the same token, uh, we don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater, so to speak, and get rid of the value of having traditional gender roles or not even that being able to choose your gender roles at whatever degree (laughs) that you'd like to it's important to have a polarity in relationship and so having uh, being able to communicate what you would like to give and offer and what you'd like to receive in return and have your partner be able to do that can be really fulfilling as you're working through the communication stages and getting to the point where you guys are fulfilling each other's needs. Great. Awesome. Um, to, to box that into anything or say that anything is taboo kind of gets rid of the whole point of being free with your sexuality and with your love and with your romance. So um, I take issue with people who are offended just to be offended. And 
because of a of a sort of institutional mentality that we all got sort of fed in college that we should allow everything and we're really wrong for choosing something different. I uh, uh, so to respond that was a very long no, was, answer to that great, question. Though. It was great. <laughs> But to respond to that, um, so when I'm talking to somebody like that, I have to be very sensitive about uh, trauma, a lot of, uh, I have to navigate those issues. Uh, when talking to one of my students, it's basically like, look, you're not getting the results you want, and it's because of some of the micro behaviors that, you, that you're presenting, and probably your intentions and your internals and your, uh, your mindset are probably in the right space. You need a little bit more experience, maybe. But we're going to fix your vocal tonality, your body language, your eye contact, um, the subject matters you speak about, and then uh, it's gonna, you're going to get out of your own way and sort of let the process happen naturally. Yeah. That's, that was a great answer, first of all. <clears throat> you, um, I want to touch on some of the things that you brought up. The, the traditional roles, we're both males over 30. And when we were growing up, <clears throat> The, the fringe, the gay, the LGBTQ, whatever thing, was just starting to peek its head out. Like, you could openly say faggot and not be, yeah. you know, and I apologize using that word, but I'm just making a point that, like you're saying, the culture has flipped to where what was once the norm role is now the fringe. The mm -hmm. safe space has been given to all of the once... Uh, marginalized groups and now the the traditional role is kind of dying and what what do you see where do you see that going like that's a bad trend like we've got a bunch of young boys who don't know how to be men and I'm resisting the urge to put air quotes around that but <laughs> so what, what is this trend going to continue I mean I feel like the civil rights social justice pendulum always swings far so like you had your Black Panther movement, fists in the air, leather jackets, walking down the street with guns, and now it's, we just, you know, it's, it's more of a, a quiet civil discussion in some ways. And the, the gay rights and everything is swung really huge and it was flamboyant to, um, to the national conversation, and now it's more or less the norm. Mm -hmm. So is there, is there, where do you see that going trend-wise as far as these roles? In general... Most of this stuff doesn't matter, right? As, as long as we live in a sort of constitutionally protected, free country, we're going to continue to have these back and forth fights and over and over the, over the decades because um, that's the nature of a sort of a dem democratized social sphere. It, that's great and awesome. And there are a lot of the guys, there's a whole blog community, they call it the Manosphere, and uh, they're men's rights activists, basically counter-feminists, and I'm not a big fan of a lot of their ideologies, because it comes from a place of exclusivity, comes from a place of hate, uh, they're like, oh, fuck the feminists, because they destroyed us in our youth, and now we're just angry for the rest of our lives, and it's not, it's not the complete picture, there's not a, there's, I think that those voices need to be heard, right. you know, um, but let me touch sideways, let me, let me tangent for a second, and talk about, I have a big problem discussing gender roles in the same conversation as discussing racism. Okay. Does that make sense? Sure. Um, and you can cut this out if it doesn't matter, but um, 
when we're talking about racism, racism there's so much fuel of of hate and oppression and, and just gnarly Vitriol. crap that happened over the centuries. Right, and sure. um, there's a lot of anger there. There's a lot of deep-seated identity issues there. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of whatever. And a lot of people, in order to uh, give legitimacy or whatever to their cause will borrow from that movement and say, hey, this is the same or this is similar. This is our version of that struggle. Yeah, yeah. And um, while there's been a lot of, you know, oppression against, you know, gay people or trans sites in, the, in whatever, um, not to the level that we need to make reparations to an entire community. Sure, sure, sure. Right? And it's, it's, it seems like it seems false to, know, just to exactly take that and and say, look, oh, you know, there's social movement is here and social movement is here. There's a big difference right. from Rosa Parks refusing to stand up on a bus and random, you know, SJW trying to talk about her concept of male privilege. Like, it's it's a very different thing. Totally. Um, and I don't, I don't know of the right metaphor or analogy or comparison to make. Um, but just in my lifetime, having experienced racial tension and mm -hmm. having seen prejudice from both sides, being mixed race, like I've seen, you know, you're too black and too white in, in the same weekend. You know, I've, I've seen that. So I view uniquely uh, racial identity as being on a spectrum. Mm -hmm. And so my comparison is that gender roles are on a spectrum as well. And I think that <clears throat> I agree with you. I agree with what you're saying. It's not the same. It's not fair to borrow the language um, or, or the struggle or the journey or the process of gaining your space in the civil stage. But I'm very interested in the the identity, the gender roles, the identity, the relationship. It's fascinating to me. And it's part mm -hmm. of the reason I wanted to talk to you. And I know that you're not teaching men to dominate women. But I'm thinking a lot of people are going to look at your videos or your program and think that's what you're doing. That's kind of the, the backlash that the SJWs are presenting. Yeah. And for... You know, I I think that oh I yeah. um, so I think that <laughs> that's hard to eat snacks on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just remember that um, they were just sitting there tempting me. I know. <laughs> so I think that I do definitely teach dominance. I teach strength. I teach a more quote unquote traditional masculinity. Yeah. And um, but there's a difference between being dominant and being domineering. There's a difference between being a leader and being an overzealous manager. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And so there's, there's, if you're gonna say it's on a continuum or on a spectrum, then I totally agree. There is a level of, I just did a video yesterday actually, um, and I'll just touch on this for a second. I said, okay, so they're, they're like, what creates, the, the question from the student is like, what creates attraction in, in a woman? I start going off on, you know, the old evolutionary psychology explanations about how, you know, positive traits are... You're you saying know, what for, attracts a woman to a man? Yeah. Okay. And uh, 
Yeah. And so I went on to that whole explanation. Then I stopped and I said, look, so that's the traditional explanation. It's like strong, powerful, makes decisions quickly. People are, you know, following his leadership. He's the head of his social circle, et cetera. Um, but then here's the real answer, right? I'm like, two people have to match. And a woman who has seen weak men get crushed uh, will not respect a weak man. Right. Somebody who... who always gives up his position for somebody else or, or who, who lets somebody go in front of him and, and take control of a meeting or a, or a decision, they, they won't respect them at all and there won't be any attraction triggered. On the other hand, a woman who's grown up in an abusive situation, whose show of dominance and power was all tied to bad traumatic things, she will cower at that trigger, right? So being able to attract those two different types of women are going to be uh, completely different sh displays of dominance. And I want guys, see most of the guys that come and seek out my training come from a little too much um, niceness, weakness, giving up their power. Mama's boys? Sure. Um, they come from a little too much of that. Yeah. Too much of a little asking too many questions, making sure everything's okay. Um, and so, as a result, my training for them is to instill a lot more dominance, a lot more leadership, a lot more volume, a lot more um, directness. And that's not going to work for everybody. You right. know? Uh, there are some people who come in that are just domineering jerks. And <laughs> I'll be like, okay, you need to tone down and I'll, it'll change for them. But the general core of the material is because we've lost the sort of de facto standard of masculinity, um, we've lost a lot of the bad things that came with it, and uh, I'm, I'm happy about that, but we've also lost a lot of the good things as well. So things like being able to lead, being able to make decisions quickly, being able to see uh, when the right thing to do is to act even if somebody doesn't like that action, right? Those are very traditional masculine qualities that create a lot of attraction with traditionally feminine women. Right. Um, and like you said, there's a spectrum. But uh, practicing those things and getting to find your space in there and how you want to deal with the world is the most important thing when generating relationships. I see, I see. I want to I wanna go back in time a little bit. I want to figure out how you got here, because this is a very unique thing that you do, right? So you're getting your master's in psychology. Yeah. And you studied what, as an undergrad, you studied? Psych. Yeah. Psych, okay. And then I met you in high school. Mm -hmm. And it's funny because when I think back to that time in my life, I was a freshman and you were a senior. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if other people are like this, but that time in my life is, is frozen. So like, you'll always be a senior to me. <laughs> Does that make sense? Sure. Like, it's, it's just weird. So I want to hear your remembrance of that time. Like, what were you like? What group were you with? What social identity did you have in 1997? Uh, wow. I, that's... <laughs> I, I, I may have drank too much over the years to even remember that time of my life. <laughs> I've, got, I've got years, I've got whole yeah. blocks <laughs> gone, blacked out. So if you don't remember, I totally understand. I, um, yeah, I was, I was not a very popular person uh, where I came from. I came from the desert, actually. I was raised in Hesperia, Victorville area. Okay. And, and what uh, brought you to... Uh, my mom got Valley. remarried okay. and to somebody on uh, in Ventura. Okay. And then in order to keep me away from the clutches of Satan... <laughs> 
she put me in a private school right. to make sure that I wouldn't be exposed to any of the bad, horrible things that... Of course not. You know, like, like I was back home. You know, right, there's, right. there's a big like methamphetamine culture there and whatever. So uh, when I ended up there, I, you know, I didn't have any real self-worth or self-esteem at all. And what's funny enough is playing sports with the school, like all of the team members sort of took me under their wing and um, abused me at the same time. Sure, sure. And so as I was moving through uh, soccer, it was was my primary sport there. I played baseball too, but the the head of the soccer team guys, they all thought it was really funny that they could create this persona for me and sort of spread it around. Yeah. Like this wasn't my thing at all. Yeah. <laughs> they 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 made these big claims how I was I was hanging out with the public school girls and doing weird sexual acts and they gave me this like <laughs> I- idea of a of a like this total identity player. Yeah. 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 And um, it's I thought cool role. It, it's I, a cool role for a high school kid. I, I didn't like it, <laughs> so I fought it for years. And um, but they you know they conspired to like. They voted me the senior class president. You know, they got everybody to do that. You know, it was like I, I came up in this status structure in a class of 25 people. Right, yeah. Right? yeah. <laughs> and I, I had no idea what to do with my life there. I, so I didn't really run with anybody. I had I had some friends. I made some friends in the church. And, you know, I was trying to be, I was actually going to become a counselor at the time, a marriage counselor, and go study uh, at a seminary. Yeah. And go get my masters in divinity and do all that stuff so when i came out of high school i decided that i was going to hang out with all of these wonderful people and um, i found myself some beautiful women to hang out with and i ended up having my first sexual experience well my first not my first sexual experience but my first intercourse experience after high school and that experience <laughs> brought me into a whole world of pain because she got pregnant. I didn't know anything about safe sex. Oh, my God. I was taught abstinent only. I was taught feel guilty and shameful about everything, you know, related to the subject. And um, as I was been studying, I studied all these Koine Greek words and things that, that it's like, where did this doctrine come from? Why are we shamed for this thing? I was, I was in all these questions. And then all of a sudden, like... Because I had done this thing, you know, we, we don't get people pregnant. Like, no, we don't do that. You know, we don't no. talk about that. Yeah, yeah. Jesus um, doesn't like that. Yeah, yeah. Jesus, Jesus forgives, but he's going to have to forgive you without our support. <laughs> 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 and so I, uh, uh, I did the right thing. You know, we, we gave him up for adoption and, wow. uh, so, that, so that we didn't have to do any of that whole uh, abortion thing, and we didn't have to do any of that, and it, it worked out there well. And so, actually, he's growing up in Orange County. Wow! Uh, I'm not able to meet him, but because of that, I got so much negative flack from the church yeah. that I just I, I got completely turned off to the whole thing. Yeah, like I was just like not. Where's the love involved. and acceptance? Yeah. Why am I outcast from the church? Yeah, it wasn't even really outcast. It was more just like ashamed oh, and that yeah. guy. Yeah, yeah. The holier than thou, you know. We don't do that. We're not sinners here, that type of thing. Yeah. And so from there, I, was, I still had a love for people and, and counseling and all that stuff, but I couldn't follow my previous path. And uh, I started questioning all the stuff. It's like, why is shame in religion? Why is guilt there? 
does God guilt? Is this a thing? And I just, I studied that for years. I was just like, I was bitter and angry at this whole world that I had grown up in. You know, my father was a Southern Baptist, I'm sorry, my, my grandfather was a Southern Baptist pastor. My uh, mother and father were both ministers of some sort. She, she was a youth pastor and he was a, a music leader. And so I had all of these, these models yeah. that, that no longer applied. And I, uh, so I had to sort of strike off on my own. And so I studied this stuff and I, I just came to the point where, you know, if there's a God, um, he doesn't want you to feel shame and he doesn't want you to feel guilt. Uh, there is definitely things that you should make reparations for when you screw up. There's things that you should, uh, you know, when you hurt other people, you need to take those consequences or whatever. But on the other hand, you don't need to sit around feeling like at an identity level, like you're not good enough or you're worthless uh, in order, you know, to <laughs> follow your innate sexual desires. What's better is to learn how to cope with those things, uh, deal with those things in adult mature ways, you know, have sex safely and, you know, deal with, navigate that emotional uh, labyrinth that you have with somebody else as you first get into a relationship with them in in a way that's, what's the word, ecological. Yeah. The one that, that, that keeps their feelings, your feelings, you know, protecting yourself Mm -hmm. and their mental health at the same time. So um, then I started diving into that and I got hardcore into relationships and then I I was with a girl for seven years after getting cheated on for a whole bunch because I was displaying a lot of weak behaviors and uh, anyways. So I got into this relationship. We we were going to get married and we decided, you know, that's probably a bad idea. Uh, We haven't figured out what we want yet. So we broke up and I decided... I would not have any more of these monogamous relationships. They seemed weird to me. I'm going to go study and take a course from one of these guys, these guys who fly around the world and pick up girls for a living. And at what point of, uh, of your life was this? This is after college? Yeah, this was about seven years ago. Okay. It was like, uh, no, actually I dropped out of college, okay. got a uh, uh, traditional job as a computer programmer, okay. and I made so much money, so I didn't need to go to school. Right, right. When I got into pickup, I uh, I actually went back to college, got my degree in psych. Got it. And so, because I was interested, oh, in this new industry, I could actually add something to this industry. There's a lot of machismo, like, oh, look at me, look how many girls I banged kind of guys in my community in, or in my industry yeah. that um, they really have no business teaching. They're... Uh, they're kind of like training wheels for guys who have not engaged in any sort of sexual relationships before, but they don't have much beyond that. They mm-hmm. can't teach how to take care of other people's feelings and, you know, uh, deal Very one-dimensional. Yeah. And so I saw that industry. I loved what it did for me and my confidence and my ability to not feel shame and guilt anymore. But... Uh, I also saw there's just these big massive holes in these misogynistic assholes who are running around telling people to beg as many bitches as possible. Yeah. So just a notch on your belt. Yeah. And so I uh, I actually enrolled in school, got my degree in psychology. I wanted to learn how to sort of legitimize some of these concepts to the you know who would be who would soon become my clients from a from an angle that was a whole lot less. 
locker room bragging and a whole lot more. Let's forge some decent relationships and let's not stick to the guilty, shameful side of relationship building that we were taught growing up in our current moral structures. Have you seen a movie called Mumford? I have not. <clears throat> so this is about 97. I go to Blockbuster all the time. I love to get lost in movies. I had a friend that worked there and he gave me a stack of those free movie cards. Mm -hmm. So I would go rent whatever. You know, the little weird little foreign movies, independent films. And I stumbled across one called Mumford. And just a quick synopsis of it, it's about a guy, he's a psychiatrist, he, he's a therapist, and he helps people, and he lives in a town called Mumford, and his name is Mumford. It's a great movie, check it out, find it on Netflix, whatever. Turns out the guy's a fraud, okay? He's just playing, he's, he's an ex-con on the run, he looks at a map, he sees a town called Mumford, he changes his name, he opens up a faulty practice, but he's really helping these people. That movie made me want to be a psychiatrist. It affected me that much. So I finished high school. I, I got myself kicked out of the private school because I couldn't take it. I also have a grandfather who was a, a Baptist preacher and a similar rebellion of their mores, etc. So I go off to college and I'm like, I'm going to be a psych major. Walk into my first Psych 101 class and there were some celebrity girls in the class, so I was distracted, obviously. Um, and I had a really good teacher. And what she made me realize, aside from a few basic synapse firing you know, functions of the brain, was that if you really want to help people in the field of psychiatry, you've got to get your doctorate. You've got to have your own practice. So if, in my opinion, at that stage in my life, a bachelor's in, psycho in psychology was worthless to me. So I switched to business, I switched to whatever. I ended up in English. You know, I, my communication professor told me that I was good with words, so I should be a writer. And that stuck with me. And so I went on, I just went to college because that's what you're supposed to do when you graduate high school. I had no bearing or focus or direction in my life whatsoever. Um, I'm kind of just now finding it, you know, much later in life. Um, and I'd, I'd like for you to speak to to my previous self and tell me in college with no confidence and no direction, what do you, what do, you do? Does that make sense? Like to, to a college age young man with no direction and it's just floundering because there's a lot of them out there. What's I, the next step? I think that floundering is the thing. Like, uh, you know, you haven't talked to me in a long time but anybody who knows me really well understands that I'm really about discovery and exploration. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, sitting in one spot and having not having the freedom to move and to explore and to and to see what's out there is is probably one of the most limiting things. Uh, well, I guess by definition it's limiting, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's it's the worst thing you can do to somebody, I think. There are some people who want to sit around, have everything in its proper place and have it you know, have their lives be predictable in order. And, and create meaning from a, uh, a stable base. I'm not one of those people. And I think that with all of the options available today, uh, you must explore in order to actually settle into something that creates either happiness or fulfillment in your contribution to the world. Like, I never, when I was growing up, would have thought that my life, you know, even at Thanksgiving dinner, 
my mother is still angry at me for doing this for a living. <laughs> I never thought that my life would, would be me getting up, flying to another country, and taking local guys to their local nightclubs and teaching them how to uh, <laughs> escalate with the women yeah, in yeah. their environment. I never thought that that was going to be my job. I wanted to sit around in an office, have two married people come in, whine about their problems, and magically fix them. That was my that was my goal, right. you know. And now, uh, watching these guys who never had any outlet, who was not who weren't allowed to explore. I mean, I just came back from India, and a lot of them are very family and religious oriented. They can't tell the people in their life that they bought a program like mine. Sure. Right? That'd because be so scorned. Yeah. Um, and but to see these guys explore an area that they were never allowed to explore in a safe way, in a way that, that has some sort of moral boundaries on it. Because right. I'm not gonna let them take home a drunk girl. I'm not gonna let them, you know, take advantage or be physically, you know, you know I'm not gonna let them do that stuff when they're on my program. So I, I teach very, you know, very specifically to respect people's opinions and, you know, whatever. So it's not, uh, to watch them practice in that space, kind of mess up and find their own identity there. It's not that I'm doing anything great, but it's I'm providing them the opportunity to explore uh, with a relative level of safety yeah. for their emotional and vulnerability, you know, and let them exercise that stuff. So to get anybody, just uh, to, to tell somebody in college, like, look, you need to find this, and you need to settle down on this, and you need to do whatever, you know, it's really up to you. If you're the kind of guy who needs to get into a law program, you know, I'm never going to get into a doctorate program uh, unless it's through some sort of, whatever. I don't have the grades for it, you know. I'm not going to get my doctorate in psychology ever, you know. But at some point but you realized that that form of sitting in an office and having two married people come in, that that's not your path. It's not. And yeah. do you think that, that you could help people doing that? Sure. But it's not going to be my path. Right. But like you were saying earlier, I, I found my path at 32. Yeah. Right? And I don't think you need to find it at 22, 23. I think at 22, 23, when you have the energy to just bang away at whatever with just passionate and you don't sleep and whatever take that energy and explore as many things as possible right like Gary Vaynerchuk says like <laughs> you know <laughs> hook up a lot yeah. you know so that you don't have a uh, you don't have a question when you get married totally yeah. you don't look back and go hmm yeah, maybe I could have yeah or the same thing with your career same thing you know people jump in I meet a lot of Asian guys too they'll they'll they're driven by their family to get a particular type of career. They don't want it at all. They, they, but they don't have the opportunity to explore it. Mm -hmm. So they don't, they never... There's no never, wiggle room to get off that path to yeah. even see what else they want to explore. And if they fall off the path for some reason, they're just getting, you know, destroyed yeah. by their, their families. And so I think that the freedom to explore is, is a luxury. And when you're a college age and you're allowed to do that and people aren't going to judge you for not, you know, relatively, you know. Because once you start a family, once you have children, once you have a house payment to deal with, it's a lot harder to go explore. Not that you can't, but it's a lot harder to explore that stuff when you're 22, 23 and you're just, you, you you're can just untethered. explore yeah. anything. Just do it and yeah. screw up and, and make, it, make it your own because that's the only way you're going to find where you're supposed to fit in the world or how you're going to influence them. 
there's this uh, writer, his name's Cal Newport, and he used to write. Kyle he, or Cal? Cal. Okay. Um, C-A-L. And he used to write a bunch of books on uh, just how to get through college, right? And when I was going through college, I, I read all these books. And he said something interesting. He said, every semester, take two more classes than your schedule allows. Stay the first two weeks. The two ones that you hate the most, drop those two. Brilliant, yeah. Right? And that way you're always challenged in a way that you want to be challenged and you always are exploring the things because that's what the first four years of school is for. Yeah, yeah. You know, graduate so level school yeah. is, is for specialty. Yeah, you're already focused on your path, yeah. The reason, you know, a lot of people are like, I want to become a psychologist. I don't see why I have to take history and English and whatever. You have to take all these things because the first four years of school is... To explore. Right. That's the whole point. It expose you to all these different things and give you a well-rounded sense of, okay, these are my options. Yeah. So, yeah, that's what I'd say. I'd say explore as much as possible. That's perfect. Yeah, yeah Gary Vaynerchuk. travel. Travel, yes. <laughs> I did a study abroad program, and that was a pivotal point in my life, for sure. Mm. I was actually in London during nine, the 9-11 attacks. Mm. <clears throat> so went all across Western Europe at a very volatile time that if I was in the States, I wouldn't have been able to do for obvious reasons, but couldn't even go to the Middle East or, you know, they locked down everything. Um, I had a question. You're talking about Gary V. Gary V. Okay, so I listened to um, Tim Ferriss. Uh-huh. You said you consume a lot of his. Yeah, yeah. And he says that he lives his life in a series of uh, six-month projects and mm-hmm. two-week experiments, which I thought was brilliant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That really stuck with me. And I think that that you know, younger guys, gals, whatever, can use that model to explore with some framework of, okay, I did this, I don't like it. I'm going to see if I like this. I'm going to try this for half a year. I'm going to go live in this city or state for half a Mm -hmm. year. I think that very few people do that, but the people that do that, you can always tell that they have experience and they've they've grown beyond their bubble. You know, we all run into people that we knew from high school or whatever from your hometown and they never left mm-hmm. you know and their quality of life is vastly different than people that have taken that leap of faith and discovered and traveled when in your mind did you become a grown up I'm not sure I did and I'm also not sure it's important right I think uh, theoretically speaking, the time where I need to make sure that my maturity is in check is the time when I start raising my own children. Until then, you know, I think I have a lot more adult ways of dealing with other people. I'm a whole lot less selfish. Uh, I take care of the people in my life. You know, it's, just, it's part of being a man, you know, uh, provision and protection and stuff. But on the other hand, I like the freedom to be able to go out and just gleefully explore like a child. Yeah. And uh, so, well, you know, because I'll, I'll, I met up with some of my classmates at a nearby Starbucks because some people were in town for the holidays. Yeah. And, you know, these guys have children and houses and stuff. And the nature of my work is I fly around the world teaching guys how to pick up chicks, right? <laughs> you know, most uh, monogamous women are not going to be they'll want to be involved with me romantically. Sure. Uh, I can't have a house. You know, I barely even make sense to afford a car, right? right because right. I'm not in the town a lot. And so, depending on what measure you use, have I been successful or not? You know, whereas these guys have 
done the whole white picket fence thing and it's great and I have I'm living by the seat of my pants flying from country to country to country on the flip side in the next four or five years I'll have finished visiting like 50 countries and I'll have you know experienced all these cultures and have all this world but, you know it's just my experience it's not for me to force that down the throat of somebody else or vice versa the cool thing is that I forgot the question you asked. When, you, when did you decide that you were a grown-up? Oh, I didn't. That's that's the yeah, answer. Yeah. That no, question. it's perfect. And that was yeah. kind of what I was hinting at. And the reason that this question and concept fascinates me is because most cultures, tribal or, or otherwise, they have some sort of or religions. They have a very clear demarcation of when a child becomes a man. Or yeah, when, initiation rites. Right. Yeah. And I think that modern American culture lacks that. You know, you get a car when you're 16, you graduate from high school when you're 18, you can vote, you can go to war, smoke cigarettes when you're 21. There's all these little weird steps, but there's nothing that says now you're a man besides, like you said, when you're raising your own children. You know and, what I mean? And even then, you know, you're right. There is not a sort of demarked thing. And a lot of people have commented on this in the past. I've read a, I read a book by Rion Williams. David D'Angelo used to talk about it a lot. Um, about this lack of initiation right in our society right. and they said that war was really the thing and it kind of died in Vietnam right right that that going off to war is no longer a proud moment where a man makes that transition from boy to man and touching on what we were talking about earlier where masculinity is sort of it's fuzzy at best <laughs> the idea of it may be annihilated at worst maybe there is no transition anymore. Yeah. Right? Where taking care of people, you know, sort of the eat, pray, love culture, you can sort of find yourself at 50 and just leave your entire infrastructure, and that's okay. Yeah. You know, uh, there's, something, there's something wrong with the integrity of that, I think. And so, well, maybe there should be a way for us to create and generate... Uh, an integrous society of, of people who keep their word and and it makes sure they keep theirs and other people's feelings and best interests in mind. Uh, for me to be able to say how to do that, uh, I can only sort of live for my own life. Sure, and sure. so for me, when I raise my children, I'm going to raise them on the concepts of freedom, on integrity, on you know, taking care of other people, you know, minding your own mental health first and, you know, those things. And the things that I've learned, and I'm going to pass those on to my children, and I think that's sort of organically how that happens now, whereas the institution of government and the institutions of church and things have failed us in having those types of initiations right. or whatever. Um, like the entire infrastructure of what we were raised with failed us in efficacy in life. Totally. And we had to go find our own path. I don't think that's going to change. I think with the, the greater diversity that we have, the more uh, we're going to have to individually find our own paths to figure out how to connect as a collective. And self-education plays a huge role in that. Mm -hmm. um, I've been just inundating my brain with podcasts of, of people that I consider to be you know, pseudo-mentors. I don't remember where this quote came from, but if you go through my Twitter, you'll, you'll find it. And one of them was, Adulthood is the most fraudulent thing that I've ever been a part of. And that stuck with me. And that was, I think that's what sparked my question. Mm -hmm. And another one was, this was very recent, I don't want to raise, uh, or I want to raise a rebel. I want my child to question everything. I don't want him to be 
you know, like subservient and listen to me. And I forget what sparked him to say that if he saw an unruly child in public or something, but he's like, you know, I, I, I want my kid to question my authority and I want him to, you know, not, not just do what I say because I said it. And I think that's important. You know, I, I'm a new father and I'm trying to figure out what kind of man I want him to be or, or what values I want to impart in him. And, you know, I'm, I'm excited to put it all together and, you know, see it, see it take shape. Um, I don't know. It's just, it's interesting. It's yeah. A, it's a, the individual path is very apparent and obvious when you look at the internet, you know, and you sure. see all these people that function in their own little world and how they have their, their values are so set, but they're so different from people that are around them. You know, there's no, there's no more unity. Like we are not a nation of this you know what I mean? Right. There are a whole bunch of subcultures of everything. And um, I don't know. I, I think what you do is, is necessary because there's so many people that are lost in, in themselves. Like, when I think about my past and my relationships, I think about how in between them I had no confidence. When I'm with a person and I'm dating them, I've got four times the confidence that I had when I was attracting them, if that makes sense. Yeah. And that's a weird catch-22 to figure out, you know, when you're, when you're going through life and you're meeting people and you're building relationships. But yet, there seems to be some young people that have it figured out. You know what I mean? Like, there seems to be some some guys that just automatically know this is who I am and, you know, take it or leave it. And there's other people who feel like they have to have something else to complete them. Am I making any sense here? Absolutely. Jump in at any time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, basically, you know, you're talking about confidence. You're talking about, um, you know, that sort of not give a fuck yeah, kind yeah, of yeah, yeah. mentality. Uh, that's useful, especially yeah. in, a, in a generation of guys who were raised to be hypersensitive to what's going on around yeah. them, uh, giving up a lot of that and in, in sort of projecting their own identity, no matter what other people think, is, is, is a powerful thing to do. However, it's not always appropriate. You know? um, there's, there's a big difference between me not caring how much noise I'm making in a nightclub and me not caring how much noise I'm making in a church. You know, it's, it's contextual, right? You know, it's, it's not okay to be screaming obscenities in the middle of the street. No, it's not. You know, when, you're, when, there, when there are children present or whatever. It's not okay to be violent with another human being. These things are not okay no matter how you justify it. And uh, if... <laughs> If you, oh, I forgot where I was going with this. Oh yeah, confidence. It, 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 there, there are times for that kind of attitude and, and times for others, and it's all gotta be balanced. It's gotta be tempered by your experience, reference experiences with other people. There are things that I've said in the presence of women in the past, when, in my early pickup days, that I would never say now because it was very disrespectful. It was very- You have an example? Anything come to mind? Uh, not really, actually. Um, 
Some but I used to, yeah. But I used to re I refer like you know, like old school, like Dr. Dre mentality. Yeah. It's like you know, what a bitches. Yeah, yeah. And I would <laughs> not even like because I, I still do that. But it's like, <laughs> you know, I used to play up the disrespectful, treat women not as equal. There's um, a term for that, right? Negging. I've heard it referred to or something nah, like that. That's not that really different? it. Yeah, that's a different thing. Uh, people go on to that. I don't know why. I don't like know. I every, heard it. I heard somebody Every say media uh, yeah. thing asks about negging like I it's don't a know. thing. Yeah. Um, I didn't even know it was a word till a few months ago I heard it. Uh, the, the idea of negging is to the original idea from back in the day because it came from a very ego-driven place yeah. where, where hot girls have higher status than you and you have to knock them down off their pedestal, right? right. Um, You're putting a pussy on a pedestal. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you want to knock. You want to knock it off so that they feel like kind of like they're at your equal, and then you can relate to them in that way. That was the idea behind it. But as the community and the industry sort of grew up, they changed the definition to being uh, to anything that would disqualify you as a suitor. So she didn't um, pigeonhole you into that frame, so that you can act more free around there so you would do things like blow your nose in front of her which somebody who was not uh, interested in her would feel fine doing and right. somebody who was putting her on a pedestal would be hyper aware, yeah, aware yeah, of yeah. right um, things like like insulting parts of whatever that it's the same concept but it's not the point of it is not to um, take down somebody else's self-esteem so that you can right. you know whatever uh, it's not the thing. And every everything, uh, every podcast I've heard, every video thing, they always ask about negging, which is, uh, it's, a, it's kind of a big misunderstanding. Yeah, I think so. Of it, but the te the technique is when somebody's, I mean, anybody who doesn't understand the concept has never stared down a hired gun, which is what we call like people who were hired for their looks, okay. like. Um, uh, like a bartender or a, or a model or, or a, the, beer, yeah. the Budweiser girls yeah, yeah. The, those, those girls nobody stared down one of those people with fake boobs her makeup all perfect she feels like highest status in the world right and tried to get her phone number in the midst of her highest status if, if you tried to do that from a uh, from a traditional low self-esteem place, you'll yeah. lose every right. single time. Yeah. And so those tools are kind of made up from the guys in the beginning of this industry to get themselves playing at the same level, but we've sort of thrown out the, the low self-esteem side of it and started to build people up from the inside first to get them to Sounds like a way more people. healthy way of approaching it. Yeah. Um, are there any other, I guess, misconceptions about the industry that you would want people to know about? <laughs> <laughs> to me, the list, or what? Yeah, that's, that's going to be a real long podcast. Okay. Um, no, I, I do want to wrap it up soon. I just had a couple yeah. more questions for you. Basically, you know, you covered the thing about dominance before. A lot of people view pickup as kind of a manipulation right. of, of people's emotions. And, you know, in a way it is. Yeah. Just like every other form of communication. You know, people, you think Obama gets up with all of his speech writers in front of a camera and you think he just goes ad-lib to tell a whole country that he's not going to war? Right. Right? No. He's manipulating us. Right. He's, he's controlling... He's peeing the shit out of us. Yeah, he's controlling the conversation in one way or another, um, just like we all do when we communicate. 
everything from my vocal tonality to the words that I use to the eye contact that I use to the, my body position, if I'm aware of it and I use it on purpose, it's to get you to see my perspective or to get you in the same space as me so that we can talk. Right. You know, like you were saying earlier, it's about comfort. You want to mm-hmm. get, you want to get people to have real conversations and not scripted. Well, we're all manipulating it whether we know it or not. And to teach a group of guys that have never been able to be powerful at all in that type of communication um, does them and does society a disservice if we can't teach them those things. Right. And so I'm, I'm okay with feeling like that I'm manipulating people when I speak. Uh, I'm not okay with having them always assume that it's for nefarious or you know, harmful purposes. So is it fair to say there's, there's a tiny bit of manipulation, but that's across the board. Everybody does it. And the point of that manipulation is to get to a place where you can be 100% authentic and vulnerable. Is uh, that kind of a fair... Well, assessment? I'm usually authentic right out the gate. But there are ways to but communicate. The, the techniques. The, and I, yeah. I'm using manipulation in the way that I meant it earlier. Mm-hmm. It's just the you're using all your tools to communicate effectively, efficiently, to get to that part where you both have your defenses down. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because you can't start off that way. You right. have to of start off not. with the cold open, with the technique, mm-hmm. so we can get to the place where we're sharing heart space. Does that mm-hmm. make sense? Yeah. Um, there, there are a couple of different ways to look at that, uh, getting all into the weird technical yeah, NLP-ish yeah, yeah. details of it. I'll say that many guys have an issue with different stages of relationships because they don't have enough practice. And if you practice something long enough, it becomes a technique or a routine. Yeah. You know, your, your grandfather has stories that he's told over and over and over. He knows the reactions he's going to get and he knows you know, when to pause and he knows when to go up with his vocal tonality and he's just learned this sort of intuitively over practice and we do the same thing in pickup. Guys that train under me over a weekend will approach 300, 400 women. Wow, that's a lot. Yeah. Wow, and that's more than that, I expected. That'll be way more than they had in their entire life. My goal for them is not to get them laid or whatever. I'm, my goal for them is to get them over all the bullshit that's in their head yeah. about interactions and see it for real life as much as possible yeah. so that they say, oh, women are different. Oh, she didn't like me just because she was in her own head, not because there's something wrong with me. Yeah. Oh, she, you know, And get those realizations. And to do that, you get to get... get, to get a lot of interactions. Yeah. You're um, undoing a lot of years of misinformation and mm-hmm. bad practices. Or no practice. Or no practice. They've created a habit of inaction. Right, right. And, um, and so to get them moving, uh, that creates a sort of routine. Like every single one of my guys will give me, give me a whole script. Yeah. You know, like, oh, this is what I say, this is what I do next, this is what I do because... This is before or after the program, they say. After the program, okay, yeah. Okay. Uh, After be, all that practice, they've yeah learned. they've created this thing where they can go off script whenever they want right. and sort of intuit and feel and calibrate what's going on in the conversation. But when they're losing it and they don't know what to say, they have something. Got right? it. And uh, so that's what I say about manipulations and routines and and things. It, you got to get a lot of practice, and it is unnatural yeah. to go talk to three hundred women in a weekend. Right? That, that there's something just false about that. Mm-hmm. Right? Your intentions are not pure and, and romantical. <laughs> but <laughs> at the end of the day, you should have been doing those three to 400 approaches as you were growing up and you didn't. Right? Yep. 
uh, and just like learning anything else, you know, a sport, a musical instrument, or whatever, you got to do a whole lot of that practice before those things come natural and you can create music from your soul. So I typed a text to a girl I used to see saying that I chose this cutie pie with whom I want to be. And I apologize if this message gets you down. Then I CC'd every girl that I'd CC round town and hate to see y'all frown, but I'd rather see her smiling. Wetness all around me, true, but I'm no island. Peninsula, maybe. Makes no sense. I know crazy. Give up all this pussy cat that's in my lap. No looking back. Spaceships don't come equipped with rear view mirrors. They dip as quick as they can. The atmosphere is now ripped. I'm so like a pip. I'm glad it's night. So the light from the sun would not burn me on my bum when I shoot the moon. High jump the broom like a preemie out the womb. My partner yelling too soon. Don't do it. Reconsider. Read some litter. Sure on the subject. You sure? Fuck it, you know we got your back like chiropractic. If that bitch do you dirty, we'll wipe her ass out as in detergent. Now hurry, hurry, go on to the altar. I know you ain't a pimp, but pimp, remember what I taught you. Keep your heart, three stacks. Keep your heart, hey, keep your heart, three stacks. Keep your heart, man, these girls are smart. Three stacks, these girls are smart. Play your part. Where where can people um, find you? Social media, website, how do people get in touch with you and uh, solicit your services? Uh, so it's my personal space is dukedelate.com. It's D-E-L-A-E-T is my last name. And uh, I'm Duke Delate on every piece of social media on the planet. And you know, Tumblr, Twitter, Snapchat, whatever. Sure. And then uh, all of my professional stuff is run through a company called The Attractive Man. The Attractive Man. TheAttractiveMan.com. Okay. And we do the workshops and boot camps through there. Some hoes wanna choose, but them bitches too scary. Your bitch chose me, you ain't a pimp, you a fairy. There was a quote that has been sitting in my head this whole time, and I was trying to figure out exactly what it was, but it was something to the effect of people are scared of masculinity because the the spectrum is so wide. Like <clears throat> I'm trying to un unpack a little bit, but like say a woman has a range of moods, capabilities, uh, physical prowess, and it's, it's yay big, okay? Men are capable of being serial killers. Men are capable of being leaders of huge groups of people and whatever. And women are to a degree, but I think that there's this notion, true or false, that men have a higher capacity for both good and evil. Does that make sense? Is that something that you would agree with or counter in any way? I could see how you could make that argument yeah. based on history, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, I've seen a lot of evil, you know, yeah. uh, and it's, evil happens when people forget their connectedness to humanity. And if people just paid more attention to the people around them in their environments, in their communities, and the people they talk to every day, and figured out how to build that up, we'd go a lot way, a lot further in controlling the overall evil in the world. You know, um, I don't really think gender has much to do with it. Yeah, I think that masculinity is scary, and if you've ever seen femininity in its peak of rage, femininity is also scary. Right. right. right? So. Um, sure. False premise, but came from somewhere. Yeah, yeah. yeah there's definitely uh, we as humans have the capacity to act up and 
completely different ways, yeah. and the, we're only tempered by how well we're connected to our environment, our community. All the good shit happens when you put the mics away. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. well, I mean, I just didn't want to. Um, you want to turn it off? I'll turn no, it off. No, no, no. Go ahead. Uh, I've been prepping a long time to combat, right? There's some people in my industry recently just got taken down by, like, entire chains of SJW people, yeah. like, feminist crazy. Um, I, I'm actually a big fan of first wave feminism. This third wave, though, on the other hand, can go fuck itself. <laughs> 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 but. So preparing for combat, you just mean, like, you have to know how to articulate what you're doing and know that it's legit and authentic. Yeah. It's like a lot of people do it in my industry. They, they do it by bad-mouthing the other side of the industry. Right. I'm not really about that because we all came from somewhere. Our industry is fairly new. It actually peaked in 2004. Okay. Um, yeah, there's going to be fucking hiccups. Yeah. You know, there's going to be a bunch of egotistical assholes going around abusing people. Right. It happened. It's part unfortunately, of those were the ones that got famous first. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, it's really just media portrayal. Um, if you check it out next uh, year, James Franco actually signed on to do the movie playing, called The Game, playing Mystery. Oh, no way. So it's going to get a lot more mainstream coverage pretty soon. I talk like this. Yeah, 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 you with know? your hands, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. Like, some people behave differently when they're behind a mic. Mm -hmm. And so the lavalier allows you to kind of forget that you're on mic mm. a little bit. Um, it's different. Everybody's different. I had this huge contract with the Palmdale School District, and I did probably, I don't know, close to 100 interviews mm. over the course of a month. And that's when I, I just had to teach myself, you know, how to get a parent comfortable versus a teacher versus a student and in the course of 45 minutes, get them to say something that I could later use in the video mm -hmm. without them being manipulated into a soundbite. But you you're still are. You're still manipulating them into a soundbite. You're just doing it conversationally in a compressed time frame. You know what I mean? Yeah. Have you done the NLP stuff? Like training? Uh, no, see, I... Fucking do it, dude. I, did, I haven't done it. You'll, you'll, <laughs> learn, you'll, you'll learn so much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? um, so they got this one... This guy's name's Matt, uh, fuck, what's his name? NLP.com. Can, can you teach yourself through a book or do you need to go to a workshop? Go to the workshop. Go to the workshop. It's, it's the best bang for the buck. Yeah. It's 50 bucks if yeah. you go through this guy's company. That's uh, it? And he travels around. 50 bucks? Because he wants to sign you up for the stuff. The last, the last two hours is like a big sales pitch, right? Oh, okay. So, so just it's go like, there It's like knowing. going to a um, timeshare presentation. You're getting your value, but you're sitting through the... Yeah, yeah, yeah the ads um, and the ads are fine it's just that um, you can't get certified unless you pay a shit ton of money gotcha, right? gotcha. Um, but you you don't need to certif get certified to, to use the knowledge yeah. um, so when he comes around again he's from NLP.com Matt uh, I'm blanking on his last name for some stupid reason so my introduction yeah. to NLP was 
I went through the whole network marketing, got mm-hmm. recruited into one of those companies, the coffee, one of the coffee companies. And so they always, you know, read Jim Rohn, listen to his book tapes, do mm. self-development. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I found myself listening to Tony Robbins, and then he breaks down, I think he talks about Gr- Bander, Bandler, Grindler, mm-hmm. somebody. So that was my introduction to NLP. And I'm like, I catch on quick. I'll just l- look at it a little bit, and yeah, I know that. So mm-hmm. I, I conned myself into thinking that I knew it. Yeah, and that's, that's a good time. Like, uh, especially Tony's stuff, after him and the NLP guys sort of broke up in the 80s, okay. um, he sort of coined his own shit, yeah, yeah. which is good. Yeah. Um, so he's got a lot of stuff that's in that Awaken the Giant Within book is okay. is amazing. Um, but if you go through an NLP course, they'll teach you a lot of tactical communication yeah. things. Yeah. So um, getting people to... You know, get in the right space, matching mm-hmm. rapport, and all that stuff. Um, Mirroring and matching, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, it'll take three days out of your life. Yeah. Which, you know, you might be busy now. Having a kid. How is that, by the way? It's insane. It's all the cliches are true. It's the hardest thing. There's no way to prepare for it. It's the most rewarding experience, you know. All the shit. All, yeah. You know, you don't get any sleep. Um, super unpredictable. But, you know, those moments of, you know, father-son time where he's just staring into your eyes and smiling, you know, it, it charges your batteries for the next day, you know. it's, hmm. But it's so challenging, <laughs> you know, because, because you can't be ready for it, there's no way to accept the challenge in any way but stumbling through it, you know. Yeah. The advantage that I had was I had two very young siblings. So when I was 11, my little brother was born, and then when I was 19 or 20, my sister was born. So I kind of saw the developmental process. I'm excellent with babies. Like, I can make any baby stop crying and go to sleep. Um, And then my wife's a kindergarten teacher, so she knows the steps of development. So I feel like we're as prepared as any, you know, new parents can be. That's awesome. How'd you meet your wife? We were working at Claim Jumper together. I was a server, Love she was a place. hostess. <laughs> and I, I tell people this, like, it's kind of, you know, young people that are lacking direction, like I was saying earlier. Like, go to a new place, work at a restaurant. You'll meet so many people, you'll network, you have time to do your other stuff in the daytime. Like, it's a great experience. And I don't think people should be allowed to eat at restaurants unless they've worked at one, because you can tell. You know, right, right. Like, fuck those people that have never been servers or have never worked in public, you know, customer service, and they come in and try to order you around. It's ugh. But anyway, she yeah. was going to um, CSUN, and I think I was three years out of college. So right after college, I um, worked with my uncle at a barbecue restaurant. So I ran a barbecue restaurant for two years. Uh, moved to San Fernando Valley, um, tried to invest in real estate, and that was a huge fail, and was doing... Um, like jury consulting and legal videography tied together and because that was like four to five gigs a year huge paycheck had a lot of downtime so that's when I decided to go work at the restaurant mm. and that's where I met my wife awesome yep she was studying education and um, I guess we were both kind of serial monogamous in our own way but she was in a relationship and I was single Mm-hmm. And I just, I played the friend, you know, yeah, yeah. for I played the friend role for a couple of years before we started dating, and then uh, 
just a steady, steady incline. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, that's, that's a good way to do it, man. But I knew immediately. Yeah. I looked in her eye and I was like, yep, that's the one. Yeah, it's always good to see that, see that in hindsight. Yeah. I've known immediately with three different women. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh... And uh, I don't think I don't believe a, the soulmate thing where there's only one person. I don't. One person. I don't trust my own. I don't trust my own judgment anyway. <laughs> Do you think there's a soulmate? Yeah, no. Yeah, I, I don't, don't think, think so either. I don't think so. Uh, I mean, I mean, yeah, yeah, understand. Like I've, I've been all the world now. Yeah. Like, I have, I have put myself into a lot of situations to changes everything. Yeah. It's just like it's just like poverty, man. You go see it for real. You have a wholly different perspective. You know. I see relationships for real. I see, you know, like, I spent seven years doing this. Yeah. Yeah. Three as a a learner. Yeah. You know, three as an intern and one as a pro. Oh, right. And, um, and so I've, I've, I've had more sex and more whatever than I've, like, five, eight fat guys should admit, you know what I mean? Like, (laughs) but on the other hand, uh, you know, I'll, I'll stare down fucking straight up models in the face and I'll understand how empty their life is like because there's all this pretense and Instagram this and mm-hmm. whatever and it's all imagery and you see and you see who they are as people and there's just not, not much going on and there are some people that have a lot going on and has nothing to do with their outside presentation yeah you know now except for homeless people fuck those people <laughs> <laughs> now if, if you if you settle down and get married and find the one your career's over right not really I can always shift Right. So? so, like Neil got married. Who's Neil? Uh, Neil Strauss, the author of the game. Oh, okay. Um, and then he wrote a book about it. Oh, okay. And then uh, Nick the transition got is its own. Yeah. It, basically, I you know obviously if I get a wife and child, I'm not going to run around the world teaching boot camps anymore. Right. However, I'm in the middle of my first book. You know, I'm doing all the social media stuff. I'm still doing video, mm-hmm. you know, and I'll be doing, uh, I'm actually breaking into selling giant five-hour-long products of me standing there teaching on video. Okay. You know, and then I can transition out of the boot camp lifestyle if I want to. Right, right, right. But I'm doing so much good in the boot camp scene. Yeah. Like, it's kind of a, you know, a Good, a like, gauntlet. benevolent public service good. That's what you mean by that. Yeah, because there's so many people who buy products. I see these guys in my boot camps all the time. Um... And they'll come, they'll come to boot camp, and I'll force them to do the shit that they've been talking about their whole life, yeah. and it changed their life, right? Because this guy who had this idea of how women on the street would be, I made him approach 60 of them today, and now he has a very different idea, and you can't change it. Like, I screwed with his mental wiring already, yeah. so now he's like, oh... They're generally nice, and it's real because they've yeah, done it. Yeah. You know, I can, I can tell you that in a video over and over and over, telling people in the face, and you're going to be like, "Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah but there's this, I'm different, or this yeah. is bullshit." <laughs> Fuck you, dude. Like, you know, I, I have a speech impediment, or I've got yeah. this mole in the middle of my forehead. Dude. Anyway, so this guy comes. He's he he's multimillionaire, whatever. He's cool, but he's so depressed. He spends the next year and a half hiring hookers every night. To come over and just make him feel not lonely anymore, yeah. and and drinking, yeah, right, loses his company, wow, comes down, all the way down wow. to his last like thirty G's, yeah. He fucking 
buys the program, which is like eight G's, which is like a like a week, you know, for us. Yeah. Comes down to Houston and he says, "Look, I was out of my last thirty G's. This is my story. I was, it was that or suicide. You're my last Fuck. hope. Fucking do something." I'm like. I'm not qualified for this shit, you know? I'm, I'm like, an intern. I'm an intern. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Whatever, but we fix him. Like, well, we didn't wow. fix him. He he chose to fix himself based on the yeah. stuff that he sought out and learned. Yeah. But he, it's like having stories like that come in, like, just fucked up dudes. Like, yeah. all, the, all they needed to do was put themselves in front of a girl. Yeah. All they needed to do was was try this shit out. So that they could learn how to communicate. And you wouldn't believe how many guys have called me and be like, oh, I don't really use anything you taught me, you know, because, you know, it's kind of like weird and manipulative or whatever. But yeah. but thanks for teaching me, though, because, you know, I found my own path. I'm like, that was the fucking point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, but, yeah. Just to get you out there. It's like, sure. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Glad I could help. Yeah. <laughs> You're not asking for your money back? Sweet. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. <laughs> you know, cause we have He's like going to send you a ton of referrals. Like, he didn't, he didn't really help me much, but uh, now I have this, like, awesome girlfriend. My life is sweet. Oh, you want his number? Yeah, sure. He's not going to help you very much. but Yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I forgot who said the quote, but somebody, uh, I read it and it hit me. He said, uh, the best teacher never gets credit for it. Totally. Right? So true. Because, like, it, it makes... Uh, the, the student thinks that he he right. found the information on the himself. Yeah. yeah. They say you're going crazy, and we've seen this before. But I'm doing pretty good as far as geniuses go. And I'm doing pretty good in my pink polo. Nigga, please, how you gonna say I ain't no low head? I'm going crazy, and we've seen this before. But I'm doing pretty good as far as geniuses go. And I'm doing pretty good in my pink polo. Nigga, please, how you gonna say I ain't no low head? Welcome to the cul-de-sac, this is where the street end. I am just a rapper, I ain't got the time for speaking. Niggas stay weak like tornado and a tree branch. And Never have a weekday, my life's a long weekend Fucking with you raw, bitch, my mouth should get tested Sleeping on a nigga, hope you feel well rested Can't be no stay on, can't nobody pull the cord out A nigga fucked up like a hang gliding whorehouse Sick boy, yeah, the click on deck Yes, I rap absurd, got the game upset And they rap about the jewelry, the weed they smoke And I rap about my life and niggas think it's a joke Nah, I only put real on a nigga See the money try and steal on a nigga. Yes, I'm on fire, you can feel it on a nigga. Step away from the heat, they should kill it on a nigga. Treat niggas like pussy, go hard on them. Watch the swag and get swiped like a car bottom. The swag's unique, I don't even worry about them. I got the tortoise shell frames and the Argyle. You wouldn't think from the things I'm bashing in, I'd get more bush than Kim Kardashian. Drop hot shit, yeah, my mouth's a laxative. Born to be the greatest, this is not by accident. They say going crazy. And we've seen this before But I'm doing pretty good as far as geniuses go And I'm doing pretty good in my pink polo Nigga, please, how you gonna say I ain't no low head? I'm going crazy, and we've seen this before But I'm doing pretty good as far as geniuses go And I'm doing pretty good in my pink polo Nigga, please, how you gonna say I ain't no low head? Fresh off the plane, konnichiwa Bitches turn around another plane My passport on pivot Ask for it, I did it That asshole done did it Talked it, then he lived it Spit it Benny shit it, I don't need right tears, I might bounce ideas But only I could come up with some shit like this I done played the underdog my whole career Nigga please, how you gon' say I ain't no low head? Cause my Dior got me mow my dough head I'm insulted, you should go ahead And bow so hard till your knees hit your forehead 
and the flow just hit cold red Top five MCs, you ain't gotta remind me Top five MCs, you gotta rewind me I'm high up on the line, you could get behind me But my head's so big, you can't sit behind me Say going crazy, and we seen this before But I'm doing pretty good as far as geniuses go And I'm doing pretty good in my pink polo Nigga please, how you gonna say I ain't no low head? I'm going crazy, and we seen this before But I'm doing pretty good as far as geniuses go And I'm doing pretty hood in my pink polo Nigga please, how you gonna say I ain't no low head? I'm a genius, I ain't got a fake shit My cup runneth over, you can take sips I'm in a spa, white robe like a racist Niggas can't see me, I will pay for your lacing Fuck what you heard, bitch, I'm flyer than you ever seen My wallet make paper, call it evergreen Ashy to classy, finally got some Vaseline Live inside a sauna cause I always got my self-esteem Name in your mouth, and it seems as though I struck a nerve I never fit in like my penis in these tiny girls I figured I was different from these other guys When I wrote for 30 Rock, I was under 25 These other rappers wanna fade into the background I'ma stand out when these niggas done sat down I always pack heat, yeah my mouth need a pat down Money girls clothes, I don't worry about that now They say going crazy, and we seen this before But I'm doing pretty good as far as geniuses go And I'm doing pretty hood in my pink polo Nigga please, how you gonna say I ain't no low head I'm going crazy, and we seen this before But I'm doing pretty good as far as geniuses go And I'm doing pretty hood in my pink polo Nigga please, how you gonna say I ain't no low head It's what you all been waiting for, ain't it? Well people pay paper for, damn it They can't stain it, they want something new So let's get reacquainted Became the hood favorite, I can't even explain it But I'm going crazy, and we seen this before But I'm doing pretty good as far as geniuses go And I'm doing pretty hood in my pink polo Nigga please, how you gonna say I ain't no low head? I've had more sex and more whatever than I've like, fact, I should admit, you know what I mean? Like, but on the other hand, uh, you know, I'll, I'll stare down fucking straight up models in the face and I'll understand how empty their life is. Yeah. Talk is cheap, motherfucker.